G'day, sports fans. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of the Sports by Fry podcast. Friday Arvo has arrived. Hope you're gearing up for another Ripper weekend. I've already cracked a beer. I'm excited. Second last weekend of the home and away season from an AFL standpoint. And the NFL preseason is starting to get in full swing. So there's a couple of bits and pieces I'll talk about relating to those few topics. Uh, JLo and I battled it out last podcast in another epic Mount Rushmore. The results are nearly in for that, and it's a pretty tight contest. So make sure you tune into that episode if you missed out. We talked about iconic Kobe Bryant moments, a couple of other bits and pieces, including uh, a Patrick Cripps suspension or non-suspension that'll get a mention today as well. And of course, we're at prelim final weekend for AFL Fantasy Coaches. I'm still in a couple of draft leagues. That's really where my attention has gone the last couple of weeks as my classic side has just shut the bed post buys. But I'll talk through my moves, a couple of other trade targets, and a few bits and pieces before round 22 gets underway. So another bumper pod coming for you. Let's do it. Item number one. I want to talk about perhaps the greatest athlete of the 21st century. That may sound like a pretty lofty claim, but Serena Williams has announced she's retiring from tennis. And I tell you what, there may not be a women's tennis player who's been better. There may not be a tennis player who's been better. And there may not be an athlete who's been better in the 21st century than Serena Williams. She's the highest earning woman athlete of all time, which I didn't realize. Uh, She was untouchable at the peak of her powers. I think a lot of females going into battle against her wouldn't have had a lot of confidence. And her legacy is pretty, pretty elite. She's obviously won the Oz Open uh, seven times, Wimbledon, couple more, you know, your handful of US Opens and French Opens as well to her name. So she's got 23 career Grand Slam titles, second only to Margaret Court, but she's easily been the best winner on a tennis court of our generation from a female standpoint and perhaps from an overall tennis standpoint. So she's going to hang up the racket at the end of uh, this this US Open coming up. She said that she doesn't want to classify it as retirement, rather that she's evolving away from tennis. So she's been a gun for the better part of a couple of decades. And obviously, I think a lot of us would like to see her bow out in pretty epic style and make a deep run at the US Open. I don't know how successful she will be. She's been playing pretty solid at the Canadian Open recently. So US Open is a couple of weeks away. Hopefully we can see her gear up and make one last run before she does officially finish her tennis career. But regardless, you can't take away from her unreal legacy. So shout out to Serena Williams. Second thing I want to discuss are some retired NBA players. Now the latest sports B article I will throw the uh, link to it in the show notes, but I looked at a couple of retired NBA players and made a verdict on whether they should be in the hall of fame or not. There's a doldrums of the off season. There's obviously a new Brooklyn Nets rumor every second day, but with the exception of that, there's nothing really happening for basketball fans. So I did a little bit of a deep dive into history. I'm not going to talk about all the 10 players from that article. You got to check out the piece at sportsbyfry.com for the entire scoop, but There are a couple of very interesting cases that I found difficult to split uh, in this piece. There's a couple of Phoenix Suns players that starred alongside Steve Nash. One of them was Sean Marion, won a chip with the Dallas Mavericks, but was probably best known for his days 
as a Phoenix Sun, was an elite defender. He averaged a double-double in four different seasons throughout his career, four-time All-Star, made a couple of All-NBA teams, and he was really, really good, make no mistake. But I think he falls in a category of players who are really, really good, but not exactly Hall of Fame good. So I said, no, he doesn't get in. But his Phoenix teammate, Amari Stoudemire, I think deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. Five times All-NBA, six times All-Star, Rookie of the Year in 2003, He retrieved all those all-star and all-NBA appearances over a small seven-year stretch, most as a Phoenix Sun and one year as a New York Knick. But then, much like a lot of big men, knee issues plagued the back half of his career, and he never really lived up to his full potential, especially in New York. Although, I think his resume is extensive enough. He came straight out of high school and was a dominant scoring force inside the paint. He and Steve Nash formed a pretty lethal one-two tandem in the uh, early to mid 2000s so career averages of 19 and nearly eight I think Amari did enough to earn a spot in the hall of fame so those were two Phoenix Suns who I fell on each side of the ledger for Sean Kemp was another player who you could have said was yesteryear's Amari Stoudemire another explosive athlete known for his high-flying dunks he was tough to peg because he made six all-star teams he wasn't exactly a scrub he was not known as a player who was all flash and no substance. He could play basketball and he, along with Gary Payton and a few others gave Michael Jordan, the bulls a run for their money back in the 96 finals. And he was an integral part of some of those successful supersonics teams in the late nineties. So when he was firing on all cylinders, he was arguably the best player to watch in his era. Arguably there's a couple of uh, players up there, but I could be easily swayed to either side of this argument. I think it's a no for Sean Kemp, though, he, similar to Sean Marion, was really, really good. Didn't exactly have the long career that probably, or the extended prime, I should say, that puts him in Hall of Fame conversation. But the last player I want to discuss and the poster boy of this article, the one who kind of got this idea off the ground, is Chauncey Billups. So it surprised me he's still not in the Hall of Fame. I know that his career averages of 15 points and five assists don't look great, but He was one of, if not the most important player for the Detroit Pistons during their successful era. When they won a chip in 2004, they made six consecutive conference finals as well. I remember that was when I was really diving into my basketball fandom. And as a Cavs fan, those Pistons team were bloody hard to beat. So his numbers don't scream induct me, but obviously I think a couple of all-star appearances, a couple of all NBA appearances, three to be exact, and a couple of uh, all defense gigs as well. Chauncey Billups definitely deserves to be in the Hall of Fame. So like I said, check out the article to read the entire list, but there's my verdict on a few retired NBA players and whether they belong in the Hall or not. Number three, I want to talk a little bit about NFL, mainly from a fantasy standpoint. As the AFL fantasy season starts to wind down, I know a lot of people will turn their attention towards basketball when that gears up around October, November, but I've become a pretty big NFL fan in the last half a dozen or so years. And fantasy is a big reason for it. So it's really easy to play. I use ESPN platforms for the majority of my leagues. Yahoo does a pretty good job as well. But there's a couple of tidbits you need to be aware as you're getting into your uh, novice NFL fandom. I'm going to drop an article that's got a couple of draft nuggets and things to think about as you're going into a draft and a couple of players you might want to target. But I think this year you can really wait when it comes to drafting a quarterback. In years past, a lot of people will take someone like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen really early 
And there's still a lot of value on the board with wide receivers, running backs, even a couple of tight ends as well, who I draft ahead of some of these quarterbacks. And when you look at average draft position or ADP as it's commonly called, there's a lot of value in the QB market that you can get later on in the draft. I'm a really big fan of Russell Wilson this year, who's going 90th on average in uh, ESPN leagues. You could even wait a little bit further. Derek Carr, now that he's got Devontae Adams alongside him, he's going at pick 120 on average. So he provides potential bang for buck. And there's a couple of other players. Joey Burrow's about 80th. Uh, Trey Lance, the San Francisco 49ers quarterback, who seems like he's going to get an extended run. All those guys, you can wait until, depending on your league size, your seventh to 10th round. I think that's when you should probably try and target a quarterback. I'm not really high on the idea of getting a Tom Brady, a Dak Prescott, an Aaron Rodgers in the pick 70s or higher up in the 60s. Lamar Jackson is probably the one player I'd make an exception for. I already have a bet on him to win the MVP this year. I think Baltimore is going to have a big bounce back. So you can probably wait a little bit on quarterback. Another thing that's important is you got to take a defense slash special teams and a kicker with your last two picks. I don't care what anyone else tells you. It's so random, the defensive teams who do well in fantasy. And the same with kickers. For years, I've kind of prioritized getting a good kicker, mainly the one who plays for the Kansas City Chiefs in Harrison Butker, but hasn't exactly translated to a lot of fantasy success. So make sure you check out the fantasy article when it does drop. If you're not an NFL fan yet, I encourage you to give fantasy a crack and at least try doing some NFL fantasy, you know, you got nothing to lose. AFL season will be done and dusted soon, so you may as well keep the fantasy seasons rolling. Speaking of fantasy, number four, Patrick Cripps is going to be playing this week, which is great news for a lot of coaches that still have him. Uh, what a fuck show, the uh, Patrick Cripps scenario. There was a one-week potential. Maybe people thought he was going to get two. Then he was handed a two-week ban. Then he went to the tribunal to appeal it. They said, nah, you're still banned for two weeks. Then he's gone to the appeals board and apparently after a four and a half hour meeting, we virtually ended up back at square one where a lot of people were when they were initially watched the contact. You thought he might be in hot water, but did he really bump Calamachi? He got concussed in the contest. I am aware, but he was kind of contesting the ball, which in the end, I think is what got him off. The fact that he was going for the ball rather than bumping a player. Everyone's going to have their own opinion, but regardless, he can play. And he's going to be in the lineup for what's shaping up to be a massive game against the D's on Saturday night. I am a bit worried for Carlton. I don't think they're going to win this game, but this is almost their season on the line. Because if they lose this, like I talked about with JLo, they roll into the last game of the season against Collingwood where they have to win to qualify for finals. And they don't want that hanging over their head for the entire week. Every man and his dog will be talking about it in the media. So Part of me kind of hopes that Carlton do win and just end this chatter. Uh, Jayla and I were throwing Carlton under the bus a little bit. We do, uh, as an AFL fandom, like to see the Blues out of the eight. But their streak's been long enough. As a Dockers fan who hasn't made the finals for a long period of time, I don't mind if I see teams succeed and bounce back after half a dozen or so years of struggling. And to be honest, it feels like it's been longer than that for Carlton. So Paddy Cripps' presence will be huge for the Blues. I don't know if they're going to be good enough to get over the Ds, but that's a game that I'll definitely be watching intently. From a fantasy standpoint, like I said, there's a lot of big names in that game as well. we got Maxi gone. 
you got Christian Petrarca, Clayton Oliver, Paddy Cripps, Sam Walsh, just off the dome. There's some of the most important type of players. So I think footy fans will be zeroing in on that contest and watching uh, avidly as Saturday night rolls around. Okie dokie. Last thing I want to discuss, sticking with fantasy, I'll talk a bit about my fantasy moves and the teams. So there wasn't too much on Thursday night that uh, rocked the boat from a fantasy team standpoint. I was a bit bummed to see that Bryn Tika was omitted. He scored an 86 last week for Port. So I think he's flourished enough for them to show that he can play. He earned himself a bit of a contract extension. So watch this space. He may be a cheap option or a downgrade target next year. I think his average is at a reasonable rate. So he probably won't be too cheap for fantasy coaches. But in the ruck department, a lot of coaches were throwing a curveball when Braden Pruce was uh, left out of the side, injured in quotation marks. That bloody bloke. I mean... <laughs> A lot of us thought that he could challenge his uh, record of playing five games straight, but he still hasn't done it in his career. And it may just be the fact, I think it might've been the traders or someone saying, he's just not up to AFL standards. You know, he does dumb shit whenever he's out there. He probably should have copped a ban for whacking Zach Merritt the week before. He killed Tim English earlier in the year and himself in a contest. So unfortunately, I think Perusi qualifies as a member of the never again list, but Luckily, like I said, there wasn't too much else uh, in the team selection. It's a bit of a bummer that Steph Martin's coming in because it seems like he and Tim English are going to split the ruck department uh, duties. So not ideal for Tim English owners. And that's kind of where I'm steering my trades toward this week is in the ruck department. I had a couple of ideas. I think I'm going to bring Dane Zorko back in. He's too cheap at this point of the year for me to pass up. And to move, I have to pull the trigger on tonight. So he's only 600K. I don't love it. But I think if I go for him, I have a couple of other options. I was really keen on getting Aaron Hall, but he's about 90K more expensive than Zorko. So at this stage, I'm trading out Darcy Cameron and Ben Keyes. So neither of those dudes have a lot of money on their head and I don't have a ton in the bank. So if I go down to Zorko, then I can get a Petrarca in the midfield. I can get a couple of other guys who tickle my fancy, maybe a Darcy Parrish, who Jalo and I talked about earlier in the week. But I think what I'm going to do instead is get Max gone. Now that Timmy English can go into my forward line, he can kind of take over Darcy Cameron's mantle for the next two weeks. It gives me Maximus gone. I know that every other coach has him. So I did want to try and pivot and get a bit unique. I was looking at another ruck in that area, but I can't get up to Roe Marshall. So I think I'm just going to get Gorney and hope that he goes hammer and tongs against Carlton. Zorko should go pretty good tonight. Now that I've said that, I'm sorry, fantasy faithful. He'll probably drop you a 15 because he's burnt me every time I've brought him in so far this year. I was also looking at going down the path of Aaron Hall and Dane Zorko, getting those two defenders, which leaves me with about 150K in the bank for next week. And I could get a big dog like Millsy, Steele, Clayton Oliver, someone like that. But I don't hate my midfield. I've got most of the big names outside of those three. I've obviously still got Rory Laird and Brayshaw steering the ship. So maybe I'll target another midfielder. Maybe not. I think a lot of people will be looking to bring in Roe Marshall this week. If you don't have him, he's an elite trade target. Clayton Oliver as well. I was big on him last week and he's gone big again. Uh, Luke Parker's probably someone that coaches have already brought into their sides. But if you haven't, that's another guy to target. So there's some options there along with the value, obviously, of Dane Zorko. I think if you want to get a little bit fancy, a little bit unique, you might want to go for someone outside of those blokes. I was big on uh, bringing Brack Crouch against West Coast, but couldn't pull the trigger due to injuries. And he's actually 
the form player of the comp. So if you've got the money, you might want to go for him. You could, you could make the argument as well for Luke Ryan down in the back line, coming off a whopper 150 against the Bulldogs, who do give up a shitload of points to defenders. And he's got West Coast and GWS to close out the year. Speaking of the Bulldogs, don't hate the idea of bringing in Lockie Whitfield either. He is in a handful of teams still, but I do wonder how many of them are ghost ships, aka teams that aren't really paying much more attention. Says his ownership sitting at 18%, so you might be tempted. He's 713K, so he's not exactly expensive. And I might even look at bringing him in next week. But like I said, the doggies do give up a ton to defenders, so he could be another bloke that you target. But regardless, I think a lot of fantasy coaches were happy that there wasn't too much carnage at team selection and they'll probably be pretty vanilla with their trades this week. Unless of course you're right in the top handful coaches and you're trying to go for a little bit of a point of difference. So there might be a couple of those blokes I mentioned on your radar, but targeting someone in your ruck department like Maxi Gorn or Rowan Marshall, if you've got a Pruce, that would be my priority this week. And that's it. Friday's quick fire podcast is in the books. Good luck your fantasy weekend, especially those coaches out there in finals, etc. I'll be back on Monday with another recap of the round and a couple of other tidbits. I might even discuss that fantasy article that I've teased and talk about some players specifically in the middle to late rounds that I like. So thanks for tuning into this podcast. Have a ripper weekend. I'll catch you next time.